and welcome to Husky Talk. We are your hosts, Brady, Luke, and Kirsten. Today we will be talking to this year's 12th place finisher and I did Rob Linwood Fiedler. Hello, Linwood. How are you? How are you so far today? Hey, is this uh, Kirsten? I'm doing good. Good. Uh, before we start our interview with you, we are going to test your Iditarod knowledge. We have five Iditarod trivia questions for you. Ready? I'm ready. All right. Who won the first Iditarod? Oh, my gosh. I'm terrible at these things. I can't, I can't tell you. Dick Wilmarth? Yeah, Wil- Wilmarth, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he won the first Iditarod. Um, who has won the most Iditarods? Boy, you guys are really testing me. I think, um, well, there's been several that have won multiple times, but I think it might be Rick Swenson. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yay, I got one. <laughs> who founded the Iditarod? Well, uh, uh, there's people involved, but one person that got a lot of the credit was Joe Reddington Sr. Good job. How many dolls can a musher start with this year? Uh, we can start with 14 this year. Correct. No, what is the name of the award given to the musher that finishes uh, the award? Uh, called the Red Lantern Award, the last one that gets to know. Yes. Can you start off by telling us how you got into mushing? How did I get into mushing? Um, well, when I was about your age, I lived um, in the country, and we raised German shepherds. So I grew up around uh, dogs, and I loved the, um, the woods and the creeks and the mountains, and I was always playing in them. And as I got older... Um, I discovered that I could do the same sort of thing with blood dogs, and they would take me into all these really wild, remote places. Uh, and so um, I'm still doing the things um, I loved as a kid. I've got, I guess I have Peter Pan complex. <laughs> cool. Do you have your own kennel? I do. We have about 55 uh, sled dogs in our kennel. Um, and they're at different stages of development. There's about 30 that are race age and 25, 30. And then there's kind of a teenage group. And then there's a, um, a small young puppy group with older retired, uh, race dogs that are their leaders in the team. Um, can you talk to us about how you prepared for this year's race? how I prepared for it. Um, <clears throat> well, I think if you're going to run the idea to ride, it takes a lot of effort and a lot of time and a lot of devotion. And we do that throughout the winter. Um, we spend, oh, probably about it's as much time as the average adult goes to work or that you would go to school. We'd probably spend twice that time with our dogs, training them, um, getting them ready for Iditarod. So when we do the big race, it's um, it's comfortable for them to travel those really long distances. 
Um, and to do that, it takes a lot of time and effort. Um, we do a lot of preparation of food for the dog, so it's exactly the right recipe for them to give them the calories they need to travel um, those distances. We do a lot of prep on um, our food as well, and all our gear, make sure everything is um, in the right place and is uh, ready to handle the rigors of the trail. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, we see that you give helicopter tours. Can you tell us about these tours? Yeah, uh, we're doing that right now. We're just starting um, to build our camp up on the glacier. Uh, we have a helicopter company called North Star Helicopters. Um, and if you came to visit us, you'd get in a helicopter and you would fly for about a half hour just to get to us. And these helicopters go really fast. I mean, they go like a 120 miles an hour. So we take you way into the back country, way up on a glacier. And then we have a camp with about um, a crew of about 18 people and 160 sled dogs. And you land and then uh, you get out and we say hi and introduce ourselves and um, get you on a dog. And we go mushing across the glacier. Well, that's cool. It's a lot of fun. And right now we're just starting that. We're sending all the stuff up to the glacier to build our camp and uh, get everything ready for people and dogs. Cool. Um, what What's it like living on a glacier? That is a really good question. Um, well, it's very remote. There's no cell phone. There's no internet. Um, we have to be prepared um, to have weather where helicopters cannot fly in to get us. So we always have to have extra food for ourselves and our dogs. Um, we have to have um, uh, pretty stringent first aid in case somebody gets hurt on the glacier because we're very remote. Um, and the weather is everywhere. It's Sometimes it's so warm we're actually running our dogs in T-shirts and shorts. And other days it's pretty cold and snowing and blowing and windy or rainy. And um, so the weather is everywhere on a glacier in the summer. And it's super bright there. Um, we have to put a lot of sunscreen on us. Um, the um, sun bounces off the snow and you actually get, if you don't put sunscreen under your chin, you'll get sunburn under your chin or under your arms because it, um, it's sort of like being on a desert. It, everything reflects off the white snow and um, you have to be really careful about sunburn. And we actually have to be very careful about sunburn with our dogs as well. Um, so we actually, part of every day, a couple times a day, we end up putting sunscreen on their noses and different places where there might be pink skin. Post. Cool. How long do you guys live on the glacier? Well, we're up there. Um, well, we're starting now, and then we'll end around the middle of September. Um, but, like, if you uh, 
were part of the team, you would spend like a week up there, and then we'd fly you off the glacier to have your weekend um, down in Juneau, and um, where it's all green and trees and whales and fishing and all that kind of stuff. So, um, so anyway, yeah, you'd be working staff work about a week on the glacier, and then they fly off for their weekend, and then in a couple of days they fly, they jump in a helicopter and come back up. Uh, to work another week cool so there's breaks breaks in there but we're basically keeping it going for four to five months cool um one story that stands out to us about your race this year is that you lost your team out on the trail um can you talk to us about um that experience well it was a terrible experience it's one that um no musher would ever want to have happened to them because once uh, the team is what happened was i hit a uh, stump uh very hard and the team was moving fast and um there was no snow um the stump had been covered underneath snow in years but since there was no snow it was sticking up and the sled hit the stump and would stop right i went flying over the handlebars okay and um the uh the line broke that held us together uh, between the dog team and the sled. So the dog team took off uh, with all their gang line attached and all the ropes attached to them, but left me behind, uh, which is very, very, very dangerous for the dogs. I mean, it's terrible. Your heart just goes down into your stomach. Yeah. When that sort of thing happens, um, it's often when you find them, uh, it's not surprising to find dead dogs or dogs that are very, very hurt. Um, you can imagine if they're all running and they're tied together and one trips and falls down and gets drugged, that could kill them. So at any rate, uh, uh, another musher came up behind me. Um, his name is Bots Peterson, and he's from Sweden. And uh, we tied our sleds together, my sled to his sled, his team, and we um, marched through the night um, trying to find a dog team. And um, we eventually found them. They, um, the trail crossed what's called the Post River, which is a very wide river. <clears throat> and there was no snow on the river. It was all just ice, very slippery ice. And the, my team had gotten off the trail and went way down the river. Yeah. And um, my headlight uh, was able to spot them, and I could see them way down the river, their little eyes shining back at me. Yeah. So um, uh, Matt's waited while I got my team um, and brought them back to the trail and got everybody organized and made sure they were all safe and good, and then um, uh, he took off. But it, it was um, a tremendous sport to me and um, make sure everything was okay before he left. Yeah, that's good. Did you get injured? Oh, did I get injured? Yeah. No, I really didn't get injured. I was a little sore. I went flying over the handlebars and landed in a big pile on the on the dirt. Um, but I really wasn't injured. You know, um, 
it's not co- uncommon if you're an athlete, if you, you know, if you play basketball or soccer or uh, volleyball or football, whatever the game is, to end up being a little sore. Um, and that's certainly true with running. I did, Rod. You often end up being a little sore and maybe a little black and blue here and there, but um, that just kind of comes with it. Um, but. I think I was many of those things, but I really wasn't injured, which was good. Good. How were you able to come back emotionally and mentally for this type of experience? That is an awesome question. Um, that was uh, hard for me. Um, you know, I was very upset that the dogs were we're in that situation and it happened and um, very relieved when I found them and that they were pretty much okay. Um, I did run them to the next checkpoint, which was Nikolai and several of them were, um, Oh, I don't know how to, uh, very exhausted, I guess, um, through what had happened through the night. So when I got to Nikolai, I wasn't quite sure um, how this team was going to pull together. So what I decided to do is to give them a long rest in Nikolai and to go take a nap myself yeah. and um, feed them, take care of them, take care of myself, and um, and come back and look at them um, in a while. Yeah. And, uh, and when I did, I came back and they were all looking at me and saying, hey, we're good, we can take, take on this race. So... Um, uh, that's kind of what happened. Um, but I, you know, I've done this race many times and what I find is, is that there are times in the race where you can feel upset or depressed or feeling like your race might be over. And a lot of this race, and I think in life as well is learning to overcome obstacles and, um, not not give up and to keep focused on what your um, your goals are. So um, I think um, you know that's what I tried to do, and then we ultimately did okay. You know, we finished pretty well, and the, I wish you guys were there at the finish line because the, mm-hmm. that team looked so awesome there. There was they were all barking and jumping around and. Um, tugging at the lines to go so that was really very rewarding that was good can you explain what it means to you that matt's helped you out um well it was you know it's uh pretty incredible but you know honestly um I, i think any of us would have done it for any one of us um it, it happened to be Mutz came behind me and helped me, um, and he did a wonderful job. But I also have no doubt that any dog driver, that any musher that would have come up behind me would have done exactly the same thing. Um, and I think that's what makes Iditarod so very special is um, not only – the dogs that are in the race, but the men and women that are in the race and um, their devotion to um, taking care of dogs and each other uh, when bad things happen. Yeah. Were you able to return the favor by lending him a sled? 
Yeah, it was. It was kind of funny. It's um, not very far later, the next day or so, his, his sled broke, and um, I had sent a second sled out to McGrath as a backup sled, and so uh, I let him use uh, my backup sled so he could finish his race. So it kind of um, got paid forward, which was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, have you ever ran the Yukon Quest? No, I haven't. Um, I, I haven't. I don't know that I ever will. Um, it's a, uh, I really love the Iditarod. I really love... Um, the two races are different. They're both long. Um, the Yukon Quest does not have very many checkpoints. Um, I really enjoy, I put my focus on Iditarod, and I really enjoy visiting the villages and um, friends I've made along uh, the trail. So I'll probably, I maybe I'll but one day I'll run it, but I think I'll probably stay running Iditarod. We see that your best finish is second place. Are you still shooting for a first place finish? I am shooting for a dog team that finishes the race um, and looks like the team that I finished this year. That's really the most important thing to me. And then how, what number placement I place is not as important. Um, I am competitive. I do go to the race. I start the race with a very good dog team. Um, I know that. But I also know that for me, um, how I finish and how that dog team looks and uh, more important to me. Um, so one thing, it's, uh, there's so many good teams right now um, that are entering Iditarod. Um, when I first started, um, getting in the top 20 uh, was not that hard uh, for me. Um, now getting in the top 20 is very hard for me because <laughs> there's so many good quality teams and, uh, and drivers. So, and that's a very good thing. Um, that's a very, very good thing that that's happening. Well, great job with the 12th place this year. Well, thank you. Yeah, I was excited to be in that group. And um, like I said, I was really excited with my dog team. I wish you guys were there um, to see it. People were pretty amazed at that team. Yeah. For the next part of our show, we call it the lightning round. We have five questions for you to answer as quick as you can. Ready? I'm ready. What's your favorite song? Oh, I lost your last word. What's my favorite what? What's your favorite song? Oh, I like uh, Van Moore's songs. I like almost all of his songs. Brown, brown eyed girl. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what is your favorite checkpoint? Oh boy, uh, my favorite checkpoint is uh, Rhone. What's your most memorable race? My most memorable race is the year I came in second. And my family was at the finish line. That was pretty cool. How many dogs do you have? 
We have 55. Vermont, Montana, or Alaska? Alaska. <laughs> this final question we ask all of our guests. If you could go on a sled trip with anyone, living or dead, who would it be and why? Oh, if I could go on a, a sled trip with somebody, who would it be? Anyone. That is a really cool question. Um, let me think. I think I wouldn't mind going with Susan Butcher. Um, she died and uh, before she should have, and she was an amazing dog driver. And it would be fun to go on a trip with her and, um, again, because I used to work with her and, um, and ask her a whole bunch of questions. Thank you for taking time out of your day to talk to us. Have a nice day. You know, you guys did awesome. I, you were so prepared and everything. I'm really impressed. I uh, have done this sort of thing before and, um, you know, uh, it really shows that you guys did your homework and um, not only about the race, but you kind of knew about me and uh, really prepared. Great questions. Thank you. Yep. You're welcome. So special thanks to our guest, Linwood Fiedler, for being on our show this week. Subscribe to us on iTunes and tune in next week. We would like to give credit to Hobo Jim for our theme song, the Iditarod Trail song. And now enjoy a clip from Woodwood Fiedler's favorite song, Brown Eyed Girl by Van Morrison. Hey, where did we go? Days when the rains came. Down in the hollow. Playing a new game. Laughing at a Skipping and a jumping in the misty morning fog with all oh, our hearts are thumping and you, my brown eyed girl.